0: Act into it in a way um, and then suddenly they realized they were writing things and they were writing them for deadlines and then as soon as the first issue was published and the rest of the school said what did you do this oh my gosh and they could not wait to distribute the copies and share them um, yeah they were just it was like a you know catch fire moment
1: Welcome to How to Have Kids Love Learning, where we explore ideas and strategies for parents and educators that help students thrive. I'm your host, Ed Madison. I'm a professor and researcher at the University of Oregon and serve as executive director of the Journalistic Learning Initiative, a nonprofit organization that empowers middle and high school students to discover their voice, improve academic outcomes, and become self directed learners through project based storytelling. Teaching students to become effective communicators is at the heart of JLI's work. Well, today's guest is Laura Bergen, founder and executive director of the Press Pass in NYC. An organization that offers support, training resources, and opportunities for New York City public schools to create journalism classrooms and student newspapers. Laura began her career as a children's book editor and she's the author of dozens of picture books, chapters, chapter books, um, middle grade novels, and for publishers such as Scholastic, Simon & Schuster, and Disney. She's also a former high school English teacher uh, who saw uh, how her own classes were transformed by incorporating uh, journalism into their program. I can't wait to talk to her about her organization and the power of bringing journalism into the classroom. Welcome, Laura.
0: Thank you. Thanks very much.
1: Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about the um, first of all about your your children's book writing and and work that you do because I think it's um, it's so important. You know, uh, literacy at, at at the earliest stages uh, can set the tone for how kids. Um, you know, just learn and interact with, with teaching, um, and later in life. So how did you get, how did you become a children's book author?
0: Well, how I became one, I definitely had a nice home library when I was a child growing up. And I think that is why I'm here with you today. Um, but I got into children's book publishing a bit, because that was the job in publishing that I got when I got out of college. I actually thought I would be more um, an adult editor, but I, I did an interview with a children's book publishing um, house, Grosset and Dunlap, and it just opened my eyes to that side of publishing and how fun it was and how, you know, it was... I didn't even realize that what went into creating books for children and I enjoyed that work very much. And that is then how I got, I guess the training and the confidence to write children's books on my own. And so I, I was an editor for about 10 years and then a full-time Writer, freelance writer for over fifteen years, which was a wonderful job, while my kids were in school, and I was writing about essentially them and their worlds and things that they were interested in, and it it felt very it felt very natural. Um, but then, as they were getting ready to go to college, I realized. I was a little tired of working at a desk in my in my apartment in New York and there was a big world out there, including a world of education, which is another career I had not really thought about before, but I had done a lot of school visits as a writer. So I really loved that connection with children and seeing where literature took them in school and being part of that um, since my own children were going off on their own way. So, But I also thought it'd be more interesting to work with older students and really have conversations about literature and really have some good writing exercises. So I did teach high school. I taught 12th grade English. Um, at a public school in New York City that was rather low performing um, fine graduation rate, but not a great college completion rate. And it was not the it was not the ideal vision of teaching high school English that I thought it would be. But I did have a class of in the spring students who had failed in the fall who had to take another a double up on their English credits in the spring semester really just they needed to pass really there was no set curriculum for them to do that through and I did a I turned it into a newspaper class and I swear that those students worked harder and learned more practical And meaningful skills than my AP Literature class or my regular twelfth grade English class. So that um, that that led me in yet another direction eventually. So that's what happens over thirty years, I guess.
1: Yeah, and you know, you speak to something that we've discovered in our own work with the journalistic learning initiative, which is often when a student is considered struggling they are forced to take remedial English, which is more of what hasn't worked for them. Whereas when you bring a journalistic lens to English language arts, all of a sudden, um, you know, it's the teachers turning to the students and saying, what are you interested in? What do you want to explore? What do you want to write about? And it shifts the emphasis. And um, but unfortunately, many of the kids who elect to take journalism are already, not unfortunately, they're succeeding and they're thriving, and someone's told them it's a great thing to do. it'll look good on your you know your college application um uh and but the kids who could benefit from it most often don't have room for it in their schedules because they don't have room for electives again, they're forced to take remedial courses, and so um it's interesting you're kind of validating what we what we also observe you know
0: yeah i I echo that I mean. It's funny with this remedial class I was talking about, My the department chair suggested I do a summer school online curriculum with that and just put them in front of computers with multiple choice tests. And I just did not see that making anyone in that room happy, including me. Um, so at the same time, if I had suggested to those students, um, you know, let's do it, let's join this newspaper class, make it, you know, this is a journalism class. I also am not sure they would have wanted to be in the class because it sounds like a lot of work to students. I hear that a lot. Um, What, we have to write all day? We have to, you know, you have to write Art articles and a deadline, um, so it was interesting with this class how we backed into it in a way, um, and then suddenly they realized they were writing things, and they were writing them for deadlines, and then as soon as the first issue was published and the rest of the school said, what, did you do this? Oh my gosh. And they could not wait to distribute the copies and share them. Um, yeah, they were just, it was like a, you know, catch fire moment.
1: Yeah, and that's such an important piece of it. It's having an authentic audience, you know, and having students realize that you know, it's just not a teacher that would be the sole person looking at their work and grading it, but that their friends and family and community are going to see it. It just has them, it just shifts the whole perspective of how they approach their work. So how has all this experience informed the work that you're doing with your nonprofit? Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, you know, my school, this is very, this is the situation in New York city, which many people may or may not know is in the eighties, there were fewer students. Yes. But there were 160 or so high schools. Um because many of those large old high schools weren't doing so well, what the city did was take the ones that were deemed failing and dismantled those big schools and broke them into smaller schools on this in a big building. So um, you have instead of a school with 2,000 to two 2,000 4,000 students. You have a couple of high schools and maybe an elementary school with 400 or 500 students. Um, so now we have 500 high schools, and those new schools did not come with all of the extracurriculars and electives that the bigger school had. Um, though the schools with the lowest um it's hard to the the highest poverty schools ended up with the least rich extracurricular um and the least rich learning. They ended up with the most um uninspired learning. Um, which is most which is most of the schools like mine. so in fact, Baruch College just completed a I think it's been fifteen years since the last kind of census of journalism in New York City schools and found that i I'm, I might be off some percent, but about twenty eight percent of New York city schools, only twenty eight percent of high schools, of these 500 high schools, have any journalism program for students. But if then you break those into um, the low poverty schools and the high poverty schools, only 6% of the high poverty schools have any journalism opportunities for students. 78% of the um, more affluent better resource schools have journalism. So I think that speaks to, too, also what you were talking about, Ed, that we know that journalistic learning is is valuable for students um, and prepares them so well for college and beyond and is something that the highest performing students are looking for in school. Um, But most of our schools in New York City do not have that for students. So I I also saw that I, with no journalism experience, just the kind of interest and willingness and the opportunity I made for myself, could start a newspaper with my students at my school that I did think was not the best school newspaper in the world. Um, maybe it would have been eventually, but it wasn't at the beginning, but it still had incredible impact. So... You know, I stopped teaching when COVID came and those were hard times, but I just learned in my mind that, you know, if I could do this, more schools in New York City could do it too. So, and there were so many resources out there from the Journalism Education Association. There's so much many resources to help. And New York City is so rich in professional journalism organizations and the volunteer support that could really give schools um, some assistance too. But, you know, there's no, there was nobody, I thought what I could bring to it was curating it all in a way um and consulting schools in a way of how to make this possible and being a cheerleader for the schools too kind of just making the path for teachers um a bit easier and less of a heavy lift so and i found as which i was not surprised i maybe i'm a little surprised i'm not sure how surprised i am <laughs> That when this opportunity is presented to schools, they are happy to have it because they just did yeah. not know where to start. You know, it's really hard to start a journalism program from scratch. Um, but so can you say a
1: little bit about? A, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so can yeah. you say a little bit about how the how the program works with schools and teachers and?
0: Yeah. So you know, we have a lot of schools to work with. So really just look for schools who are interested to begin with. There are so many teachers and schools who've said, we've really wanted to do this. We just haven't known how to have a school newspaper. Um, So Baruch College has a five-week, you know, really foundations of launching an online school newspaper. I recommend teachers take that. That's a great foundation. Then I recommend that the teachers join the Journalism Education Association and get one of, and sign up for a mentor through there. Some do and some don't, but we've created a handbook for teachers and have a nice network of advisors, of more experienced advisors in New York City who can give um, advice and support to teachers. And then I just kind of, with them in their administration on giving them suggestions. You know, I'm just going to the Columbia Scholastic Press Association, this convention this week. And you hear, you know, at a convention, there's all this advice you can get. And if you're in a network of teachers, you can get so many tips to improve your practice and build your program. But, you know, these teachers aren't going to these conferences. They really don't know where to start. So I can take this information and share it. With them. I also knew that having students who felt some ownership of this um, new endeavor and students who could be student leaders and kind of partners with their teachers seemed really crucial to me. So I started a student journalism leaders fellowship program where I asked the advisors to recommend two students to participate. In this program and we had a editor boot camp last summer and then throughout the year we just kind of worked with these students to build their editorial skills and confidence and make them feel real some responsibility to build this program alongside their teachers and i think that's been really nice t- for the teachers to know that um There are these students who are getting some outside support um, as well as just the club or class time that these schools have, and it can be different. So, and these students have mentors also. They have we have wonderful student journalists in New York, just so passionate. So they help the students. Um, We have other teachers helping the teachers. And we also have some great um, journalists and journalism graduate students who go into the schools and teach in the classes some workshops on skills, like the basics of writing an article, the basics of interviewing, the basics of photojournalism. Because these teachers have no training in that. There's no, um, there's no credential in New York State for journalism teachers. You can't get cert- certification as a journalism teacher. It's just not a thing in New York. And most teachers, unless they were a journalist, um, do not know how to teach students. Um, they don't know themselves, so they don't know how to teach writing an article versus writing a five paragraph Regents essay. So that's been really important to um, help them learn how to teach this and read their program. Uh,
1: Laura, how can people learn more about your work, give a website or something that people can
0: reach out to? We do have a website, it's presspassnyc.org um and my email is laura at org. and it's laura l-a-r-a
1: It's it's l-a-r-a laura
0: yeah thank you that's yeah great
1: well thank you and we're exploring ways our two organizations can work together which i'm excited about and uh, it's been great having you today and to hear more about the work that you're doing um it's so needed So thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm really excited too. When I've told the teachers about this, um, the program that you're doing for educators and effective communicators, the response has been really enthusiastic. So we will talk more about that.
1: Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much. Bye.
1: How to Have Kids Love Learning is produced by the Journalistic Learning Initiative. For more information about our work, please visit journalisticlearning.com.